We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not by No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. Gotta get some free steak. (laughs) You having fun yet? Oh, yeah. I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the podcast where all movies are sports movies. I am your host, Kyle Bandujo. Today's episode is a little different, uh, not covering a movie or doing any sort of ranking or top five or anything like that, as I am, as, as you are listening to this, I am I'm out of the country, I am not, was not doing anything the, the preceding week, but today's episode is, is a special episode, a special episode for me personally. Uh, today's episode is kind of a quick chat with Ron Shelton, director of Tin Cup, White Man Can't Jump, and The Great Bull Durham. Uh, my my favorite sports movie of all time. Uh, Ron was a first ballot sports movie Hall of Famer in the Big Screen Sports Sports Movie Hall of Fame this year. Uh, this this summer we we did that, and um, yeah, I was uh, I was fortunate enough to talk to Ron a couple weeks ago. Uh, the full interview aired on the From Phenom to the Farm Peed, my my sports movie or my uh, my baseball interview series because uh, Ron played minor league baseball. The portion that is on this episode of Big Screen Sports is going to be the portion where we talk specifically about movies. If you want to hear the uh, the full discussion with Ron, a lot about his his time in the minor leagues in the late 60s, early 70s, that is on the From Phenom to the Farm feed. Uh, is also on ad-free on the, the Patreon feed. And speaking of those patrons, I want to shout out our big, chill, producer-level patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D., Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, Chris Mykoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, Jason Alba, Stephen DeBow, and Classic Stadium Fire. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show. But uh, yeah, with that, it's conversation with Ron Shelton. Uh, we t- we talk some movies. If you want you want a Bull Durham deep dive, this isn't the show for that. You need to go pick up his book, The Church of Baseball, The Making of Bull Durham. It is it is awesome. It is great. It is from essentially the the moment of conception. It, it talks through him writing the script, through making the movie. Uh, really, really great read. Uh, I highly encourage that. But yeah, here's, here's me, Ron Shelton, talking some sports movies, and then we will be back next week with a with a normal episode talking about a movie. We'll catch you then. 
In your book, you express some regret. Uh, you, you walk away during the seventy-two strike. Thought the um, you know thought the season might get canceled. You chose to move on with your life. How much of the crash character? I always think about when he walks, you know, you know, fuck this fucking game, leaves Skip's office, comes back in, who we playing tomorrow? Oh, still, still coming to the ballpark and getting a paycheck. How much of that internal, I just, I want to keep coming to the ballpark, keep playing, was was based on your your kind of internal regret of walking away from baseball? Well, I talk about that in the book. I, you know, I do have regrets, but um, at the time, in a certain way, I didn't want to turn into Crash Davis. Um I didn't want to be doing this when I was 35, if I wasn't in the big leagues, you know, um, I got married and it was not a good life for a wife. Um, I, I had five years and again, the strike, the strike happened. There was no spring training and then there was no, the season didn't start. It was a shortened season. So for three or four months, it looked like there was going to be no season at all. And that's when I made the commitment to go back to college. So flash forward 15 years, as you do in the book, um, as a guy who, who played sports, two sports in college, baseball professionally, how did you feel about the sports movie genre, I guess, pre-Bull Durham or even like pre-Best of Times? There, there'd been that huge surge kind of starting with Rocky, you know, Bad News Bears, and Natural comes out, obviously, you know, Raging Bull and uh, the, the running one wins, wins Best Picture. You know, when you're, when you're, when you start writing best of times, is it, is it writing a sports movie wave? Is it, I have interest in this. I want to do this. Or is there any bit of, Hey, I can tell these stories better. I've been there. Well, I, I just fell in love with movies. Is it? I talk about the book um, when I was playing baseball, cause they would get me out of a hotel or the motel. And I got started to get fascinated with movies, but never thinking I'd do it. Um, when I finally did become a writer and started to have some success, I felt, most sports movies I don't like. There are some some that I like, but mostly they're about the home run in the bottom of the ninth. Guess what, folks? It almost never happens. The walk-off rarely happens. Um, and and uh, so I said, I think I can tell these stories from a point of view, from the athlete's point of view, not the fan's point of view. Because the athlete's looking at, looking at a different game than the fans <laughs> and uh, has a different take on everything. So that's all I tried try to do. I mean, I point out later when I became a story editor, you know, and the script of Platoon came across our desk. It was like, wow, this is great. This guy obviously was in the foxholes in Vietnam. This could not have been written by anybody else. And in a certain way, I wanted my sports movies to feel like, well, this guy's been there because I'm seeing stuff I didn't know existed or seeing a, an angle on the story, you know. Um, so that, that, that is true that and to this day, I'm still working on sports stories. Hold on here. This is a Ted Williams famous book about Ted Williams. I'm working on that. Ted Williams in his sixties when he's a fisherman, um, the keys and- uh, About I've got the writer about, Kramer, right? It's Kramer's book we, we optioned. Yeah, it's about the writer, great writer going down to see a guy who doesn't want to see him. <laughs> And it's a great book, and we're we're in the middle of that, writing that. Um, I've got a book that we're going to develop about Rose versus Giamatti. Those six months, and uh, you know, I call it the most reflective man who ever lived meets the least reflective man who ever lived. And we're Brian Cranston's going to play Giamatti, so 
just anyway, so I'm just, I can't get away from sports, I guess. <laughs> As someone, so I've spent the last three years on the show kind of complaining that they don't make as many sports movies now. And, and that is just, that is music to my ears on, on all fronts. Um, they're, hard, they're hard to get made, Kyle, because they, they, uh, they don't have, movie, baseball don't have any full appeal. And, and they like to finance movies with a lot of forum. Uh, and that's the trick. So you've got to get a movie star or two and make them for a price, which is what I'm trying to do. So th- that's actually something I wanted to ask you I guess kind of jumping into into Tin Cup, or at least the Tin Cup question. There's not there's there's a ton of baseball. It, we're just talking American movie, ton of baseball movies. There's a lot of baseball movies, combat sports like boxing. There's gonna they're gonna be making boxing movies until you and I are both long gone. Um, a lot of basketball movies too. There are very few golf movies and good golf movies. Tin Cup is the one that. Uh, this this is like blowing smoke up your ass. Tin Cup accomplishes the feat of of filming golf and showing a tournament and being in that feel the best. There are some others that do you know the shots. We recently did the greatest game ever played on this show. There's you know Bagger Vance has its has its other problems. Um, it with golf, golf has uh, golf has international appeal, especially especially now. It's getting more and more popular. I know you're a big fan of golf. I know we we share a distaste for live golf, which is nice. Is there something more difficult about getting golf on the ground, off the ground, or filming golf? Like, is it more of a challenge? It is, you know, spread out as opposed to one stadium, one court, one arena. Does that factor into getting golf movies off the ground? It, it's a great question because I have one called Q School. And I wrote it with John Norville, who wrote 10 Cup with me. John, wonderful writer, but he also played golf at Stanford. So, you know, I, you know how good you have to be to play at Stanford. Yeah, that's where Tiger went. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Watson, among others. So um, we've had trouble getting it off the ground. It's a really good script. We still, we're still trying. Uh, Q School. Um, it's about a guy. Well, you'll love this one. A major league baseball star who's now in his mid forties, and like Mike Schmidt and Johnny Bench and some others, he misses the. He's kind of on the bubble of the Hall of Fame. And he just loves the rush of the crowd and the competition. And he's a colorful, big, wonderful, lovable, sexy blowhard of a guy kind of, you know, he's our kind of guy. <laughs> Full of shit, but he kind of knows it, you know, and he's not a liar, he's cheap. He's... And he has worked very hard. Now he's a scratch golfer like Bench and Schmidt. And so he goes to the Q school to try to qualify. And it's about those six days, but there's several other characters and women and his rivals and, and what happened. So it, it's a great story. And it's a hard, it's the hardest sport to shoot because it, it you know, it's not dynamic in, in the way other sports are. It's not the ballet. It's basically, and I've been to many, many professional golf tournaments. You, you walk in there and it's quiet. It's like a cathedral. And it's, a, it's 120 guys for two days doing exactly the same thing. You don't know who's winning if there wasn't a television guy telling you or the big leaderboards, which aren't very dramatic. So in that regard, it's a tricky sport to make. You know, boxing is the easiest because there's two guys are underwear trying to knock each other out. You don't need to explain. It's an easy plot device, boxing. Um, the question... So in in the past, I guess it, since I've been doing this show, I've always championed the phrase "cast athletes, not actors." 
And I always, I kind of say, hey, unless you're trying to, unless you need someone to go out and win you an Oscar, you can teach an athlete to act and, and athletes stuff, stuff comes through on camera. If you're, if you're shooting a sports movie, the way athletes carry themselves and act that that stuff comes through and you can teach someone. I look at miracle is the biggest example of this, where they cast a bunch of actual hockey players. And the one guy who you could cover with the mask, the goalie, they actually, they, they cast an actor. Would you agree with that statement? Or is there, is there a certain time where you just, you can't teach someone to have, there, there are things that you need an actor to do that a lot of times you can't, you can't teach an athlete. You've been blessed with, with Costner who is both, but is is there is there merit to just cast an athlete and you can teach them the rest? There is there's truth in what you say, and I love working with athletes because, but you can't ask them to, to act outside. You know, actor athletes playing athletes is one thing. Athletes doing Shakespeare is something else. So, uh, as long as you keep them in their world, they're great. I mean, I had, you know, in Ten Cup, we had you know the two guys who were comfortable on camera, Peter Jacobson and Craig Stadler. They were fine with their line. Yeah. Um, the uh, Costner was a really, really good athlete. Tommy Lee Jones was an All-American, not All-American, All-Ivy League football player at, at Harvard, first string. Um, I tend to, so if I have a guy that I need an actor, I really want them to have an athletic background. I really do. One thing about working with actors, uh, athletes, is you can tell them to do the same thing over and over and over, and they, they're used to it. That's what athletes do. In muscle memory, you know, you'll you'll practice the the pickoff play six hundred times a day in spring training. So they never get bored. They entertain themselves. They chat. They make jokes. They 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 don't complain. Where actors get a little bit prima donna ish sometimes. So I'm I'm happy to have athletes wherever I can. Well, and that's where I mean um, I, I think that's where all your movies succeed in that they're. It, filled with athletes or actors who at least have played in the past and, and fill those vibes. And I, th I think that works, you know, hand over hand. I'm going to leave most bull Durham questions off, off this interview, because I, I want to encourage people to read the book where you go deeply, deeply in depth. And it is like, it's a true treat and it's more than we could ever accomplish in these, these last few minutes. But, um, the, the one thing is the, um, the scene that you mentioned that you had to cut between Annie and crash at a bar the the wide baseball scene where Annie kind of explains her backstory and it's and you mentioned that it 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 hurt a little bit it was kind of like a kill your darlings moment of this scene didn't work with test audiences might not work the movie or something like that when you you cut this scene there's like the the old adage of the guy who's had his heart broken so he doesn't let himself you know he doesn't let himself love again is that on your mind when you write white man can't jump or blue chips or tin cup or something like that is maybe not falling in love with certain material or, or thinking that there's ever something that a movie can, can live without. Or after that experience, did you, did you have to, I'm sticking with my guns. This is, this is right for the movie and in other films. No, I'm ruthless. When you get into the editing room, I'm, I'm ruthless. Uh, that doesn't mean you have a pain of pain because it's good work. And the famous scene or the not famous the scene that I talk about that, we cut out, it wasn't so much the test audiences didn't like it. It was just the editor and me and a couple others felt the movie lost. We had everybody and it kind of takes a breath for this serious scene. And then it gets going again. And it was so intimate, this conversation between these two people who had not yet found each other physically that it was like, well, the movie's over. They're like, they're so close already. They're talking like that. 
that's what I learned is what is to save the put the emotional reveal in the right place. So when we took the scene out to test it, the movie just sailed and, and said we can't put it back. So I mean, talk to editors I've worked with. They'll say it. I am ruthless. Even, you know, when you write it and direct it, and sometimes it's four night all nighters, and you get it in the editing room and say, get rid of it. I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know, you kill your darlings all the time if you're any good. I think. Well, I mean, it worked for Bull Durham. Regarded as regarded as a masterpiece, it was a hit. Things like that. I've got my little picture of Crash and Nuke right there. Like it's endured. It was your first directorial feature you've done a million cents. You've done, you've done a lot since with, with that being said, if you were doing bull Durham with with experienced eyes, as opposed to the first time, do you think you could have done it better? Do you think you would have maybe made some, done some things that inadvertently wouldn't have made the movie as good if you were doing it with experience? Like, was there benefit to being a rookie and making that movie? Probably. That's a, that's a good observation. Um, you don't know what you don't know in a certain sense. And, uh, um, you know, you also think, I also thought, I'll, this is the only chance I'll ever get to make a movie. So I'll fight for every second. And the book is all about those fights. And I happen to win most of the fights. You don't always win the fights. I've learned Literal fights. Yeah. Well, in actually one case, an actual fight, but um yeah, I, I think there's something to that. Uh, at the same time, I'm I'm a better director now, and I, uh, I, 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 I just I couldn't get that movie made today because nobody would they'd say, "What do you mean? It's the minor leagues, and always, you know, Kevin Costner wasn't a star yet. Uh, who's ever heard of of Tim Robbins? Uh, that's what they say. And there's no big game. Do they win the league? No, they're not even on the team at the end of the movie. Newt's gone. Crash is gone. Maybe to Visalia, of all places, which is, by the way, thirty minutes from Bakersfield. <laughs> so you've you've mentioned before that the the sequel to, to Bull Durham that you've talked out uh, imagines Crash is now managing AAA Durham. Annie's teaching at Duke. Nukes in Venezuela. They all they all find a way to reconnect. Uh, the Q School idea that you mentioned I, on Rich Eisen's show, you mentioned that that was originally a Tin Cup has to go to Q School. I, I, I won't make you rehash out everything you did on Rich Eisen show about where your characters are now, but in, in, with the sports movie characters, who who has the most left to tell? Which, if you could re-explore one, you know, bring someone back, who in your mind, where's the most meat on the bone? If I could revisit one of these one guys of these now, yeah, years, years later, oh, that's a great question. Um, well, it's not Woody. <laughs> uh, Wesley's character is interesting. Um, I mean, Al Stumps is very interesting because he ended up in controversy himself, uh, but I think unfairly so. Um, Crash remains a pretty interesting guy, I'd say. I think Crash. Yeah. I mean, uh, mainly because, as I say, he loves something more than it loves him back. And that's the game. But we've all loved somebody, something, a job, a person. It, it, more than it's that thing or person has loved us back. And, and that, I think, it, it makes Boulder more universal than just a baseball movie. But I didn't know that. I wasn't aware of that when I was making it. I did the, somebody told me that 10 years later. You know why this movie works, Ron? It's about a guy who loves something more than I don't know. You're right. I, I was completely, I was just telling the story about two guys and a woman. 
speaking on love in that regard, I, I feel like with your sports movies, they all work because they seem to be about something that you personally as the writer love, love minor league baseball. That, that, that stuff comes through, you know, the pickup hoops aspect. There's, there's love behind the, the sport. Um, even in Ten Cup, this flawed character who makes a very questionable decision on 18 at the U.S. Open, just built out of love, and it's, I would say, the sport, things are positive. I was curious, again, when I was I was doing some prep and I was listening to you talk uh, about Live Golf on, on Rich Eisen, and Live Golf, like, Live Golf stinks. It's a, just, a, it's a stain. Can you make a good, would you personally be able to make a good sports movie about a part of sport that you that you hate? that you have distaste for a negative sports movie? Not a good question. Um, probably not. Uh, the one exception, I developed a script that didn't, we thought was going to get made at HBO and then it didn't based on the book, Game of Shadows. Game of Shadows is a fabulous book. It's like all the president's men, except it's about the discovery of performance enhancing drugs. It's, it's, Two investigative reporters in San Francisco in, in 2001 or two, whenever it was, were asked, go investigate this little lab called the Bay Area Lab Company, Balco, was raided by the local police south of San Francisco Airport last night. Go check it out. Well, it turns into discovering, you know, Victor Conti and the fact that, you know, Bonds is juiced, Marion Thompson's juiced, half the league is juiced, or the Olympian. And, and it blew it up. And it's a great book. It's also tragic because it reveals this kid, you know, young boys' brains are still forming and steroid rage happens with teenagers. And there's a lot of teenage suicides at the time of, of kids taking this stuff. And so it's, it's, it, it's, it's about a part of the world I hate, but I, it would be a positive story because it's uncovering the truth. I still would like to get that made. I don't know if we can can ever get it made, but that, that would be the only exception. You're absolutely right. I have to like the world I'm I'm working in. Yeah, see, it's it's something that comes through in all your movies, and I think that's why people fell in love with minor league. I mean, Bull Durham is credited with with reinvigorating the, the town of Durham and just the minor leagues in, in general. And so I, I think that that comes through. Um, before I let you out of here, I have a quick-ish rapid fire that I, I, I want to run some stuff by you and get some answers and I'll let you get out of here. Yeah, I could, I, I don't have to, I never have to buy a drink in Durham. Honest to God, oh, I could be sure. I'm sure. And it, it's so interesting. I've, I've been to Durham. I've been to one, one Bulls game. I went to go watch a friend rehab there. And the crowd was because minor league you're you're there typically you're there for you know thirsty thursday or dollar you know hot dogs it's a place you can take your kids things like that the durham crowd was more into the game than any minor league crowd i've ever seen and more and and that franchise that that especially you know since becoming the rays has has won a lot and it it's it's a significant home field advantage that i'm not sure exists in a lot of other parts of minor league baseball now yeah, I did book signings down there this year after New York on the book, which I love because nobody's ever done book signings at a ballpark. And we had 150 people in line, and I threw out the first pitch, the whole thing. And, and they were a raised franchise. They were in first place again. So, yeah, I, I take credit for building that park and completely rehabbing the city of Durham, just so you know. That. As well you should. As well you should. Um, okay, quick rapid fire. Favorite okay. minor league park that you played in, so not Durham. 
Silver Stadium, Rochester. Best pitcher you ever faced? Uh, best pitcher, this is rapid fire. I can't remember his name. He, uh, Jack Billingham. In, in terms of three pitches. He, he got me on three pitches that and say so you stood up, you went up there and went right back to the dugout without knowing what happened. And I never struck out uh, a, a taking looking. I looked at three and went back. It was a winter ball. The guy said, nobody would have swung at those. You're fine. Don't worry about it. But on one at bat, it was Jack Billingham. Best actor athlete who is not Kevin Costner. Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, okay. Uh, this is actually, this is related to uh, something I need to know for a, a book project that I am working on. How many pitches do you think that Nuke threw that night? He's sitting on 126 minimum with the 18 and 18. Oh, 175 easy. Yeah, it's quite quite the night for Nuke. Uh, sports movie you wish you could have directed either because you loved it or you wanted to want to save it. Oh. Um, wow. Well, I'd like to do the real Babe Ruth story. <laughs> <laughs> Not the one you mentioned in your book. What is? When did that come out? The Oh, I, I don't know, but William Binnich was 45 playing an orphan. The real Babe Ruth story is a great, it's a, probably a miniseries based on Lee Montville's book, The Big Bam. Read that. This guy is bigger than any character you could imagine. Shakespearean, out of control, bawdy, uh, X-rated movie. I mean, it's out there. I'm in on you doing that. The last one, every guest of From Phenom to the Farm gets this. Do you have a nightmare bus ride story from the minor leagues? Oh, how much time you got? Um, oh, I mean, as much as you have, which, which, is, which is not much. <laughs> I think the worst one ever was, uh, well, we're going only from Dallas to Memphis, I think, or Little Rock, which isn't that far, but the bus broke down. And it's 100 degrees, and there's no AC. And we're out there, ball players. This is double A, too. And we're getting, we had to get a, a, a big road grader from a, a freeway project to come over and push the bus so the bussy could pop the clutch and get it started again, which took all afternoon. And we played a game that night. So that was the broke down bus story. Yeah, I think that's my best. Every every single one of those stories usually has a theme of bus broke down, no AC, bathrooms backed up, something something of that nature. It is it's been you know it's been fifty years since you were in the minor leagues, and some things change, some things stay exactly the same. Uh, Ron Shelton, this was an absolute pleasure. Everyone go by the Church of Baseball to making a Bull Durham home runs, bad calls, crazy fights, big swings, and a hit. Ron, thank you so much for joining the show. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.